0: I heard about a story about a guy who took his own lunch to work every day, and it was a brown bag lunch, like the one on the screen. Anybody, anybody brown bag lunch kind of people out there? Um, anyway, this guy would uh, take his own brown bag lunch to work, and every day at lunchtime, he would sit around with some of the guys on his con- construction crew, and he'd always say the same thing. He'd be like, man, same old nasty bologna sandwich, same old nasty chip, same old drink, nothing new, always the same. The next lunchtime would come around, everybody would be getting all their lunch stuff out, and this guy would open up his bag, and he'd be like, man, another bologna sandwich, another same old chip, same old drink, nothing new. And then the next day again, he'd bring his little brown bag to lunch, and you know where this is going, right? He'd open up his lunch and say, another sorry bologna sandwich, nothing new, just the same old junk. And finally, one of the guys sitting there next to him said, bro, listen, every day you come here and you complain about your lunch, why don't you ask your wife to pack you something different? He said, you leave my wife out of this. I make my own lunch. (laughs) And there's a lot of truth to that, isn't there? We make our own lunch. Some of us right now, we're constantly negative, constantly down, constantly angry, constantly frustrated. And the temptation is to look outside, And blame it on everything else, you know, the craziness of the world, the craziness of our culture, the craziness of misinformation flying around. But the truth is, we all make our own lunch. And the good news is, with the grace of God, we can fill our lives every day with his character and promises, and we can be filled with hope. We can be filled with hope even if life is filled with challenges, We can be filled with hope even if the future is uncertain. We can be filled with hope even if there are a lot of things coming against us. You see, we face a choice. If if you fill your life this week just with the news, then you're going to be filled with fear and despair. If you fill your life just with social media and what's on Facebook and Instagram, you'll be filled with a lot of envy. Jealousy, maybe a bit of regret. If you fill your life just with all the infor- misinformation that's flying around and the views and opinions of those around you, then you're going to be filled with all kinds of frustration in the end. But, but if we will fill our lives with the Word of God and the wisdom of God, if we will fill our lives based on His promises and His character, We can have hope even when life is hard. You see, we can be hopeful because God is faithful. I want us to say that together. We can be hopeful because God is faithful. There it is. Let's say it again. We can be hopeful because God is faithful. So over the next three weeks, we're going to look at some of the character and promises of God. And we're going to do it with a little end times twist, okay? But we want to fill our bag, if you will, every week and remember on a daily basis that we make our own lunch. We determine our own attitude. We make our own choices about what we're going to focus on. And if we will focus on God and his word, it will fill us with hope. Now, I want to be clear, our hope isn't based on blind optimism, or just being positive, or uh, you know, pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps. I mean, some people are like, hey, just believe the best, it'll all work out, as they go right off the cliff edge, right? But our hope is based on the fact that God is still faithful. And the gospel is still true. And God is still all-powerful. And somebody today just needs to be reminded of this. We, we have every reason to be hopeful because of who God is and what he has done. You know, when you look beyond the trauma that's all around us and you look to the God who is above us, it will fill you with hope. And maybe, just maybe, you and I together, we can become a part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Maybe we can overflow our hope into somebody else's life, amen? Well, let's jump into this series today by turning in our Bibles to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, do you have your Bible with you? Ephesians chapter 6, if you do not have a hard copy of the Bible, there should be one close by on the chair rack in front of you. That's our church's gift to you today. You can also use the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet, as we consider the things that are going on around us and in our world, things like war, terrorism, mass shootings, gender identity issues, abortion rights, and so on, the Bible has the answer of, of what's really going on underneath the surface. I want us to start reading in Ephesians 6 at verse 10 says, finally, or in conclusion, this is the, the climax of this letter from the Apostle Paul to the first century church in the city of Ephesus. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Fellow human beings, in other words. But our struggle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I want you to notice here that Paul uses war imagery. He's saying that there's a battle going on in the unseen spiritual world, and as followers of Jesus, our real enemy is the devil and his minions, not human foes. And so we see, number one, the reality of spiritual warfare. The reality of spiritual warfare. Now, some people might deny that this unseen spiritual war is happening, but I think all you have to do is look around, right? There's something going on behind the curtain, so to speak, in the spiritual world that we can't see. But we do feel it, don't we? In fact, we see it. And we experience the effects of it on a daily basis. Take for example Hamas and what they've done and are still trying to do to the Jewish people in Israel and Gaza. I mean, how could a group like Hamas do what they are doing to fellow human beings? Especially to women and children. It's the epitome of evil. It's, it's demonic. Or how about Robert Card, the man who shot and killed 18 people and injured at least 12 others in Maine a couple weeks ago? What would possess someone to do something like that? Well, there are no simple answers. But at the end of the day, it's the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil that are at work. Now, let me be clear, Hamas and Mr. Card are still responsible for what they've done. But no doubt, they were influenced by a dark and evil force that is wreaking havoc around the world, including right here in Orville, Wayne County, and in our great state of Ohio. Generally speaking, Satan's main goal is to defeat God's plan and purpose in whatever way possible. And we see this at the very beginning in Genesis chapter three when Satan, the serpent, tried to ruin God's plan by dragging Adam and Eve into sin. But God already had a solution to this problem, namely redemption through his son. And when Jesus came... The devil tried to stop this plan by tempting him to sin, but Satan did not succeed. Jesus refused to abandon his mission. And so now, what can Satan do after failing to block redemption in Christ? Well, his only hope is to prevent individuals like you and me from receiving and keeping God's true salvation. And consequently, Every person on this planet is the object of Satan's attack. Did you know that? You, me, us, we are the object of Satan's attack. As the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And this is really where Satan's minions, the demons, enter the picture, Contrary to popular belief, Satan cannot be present everywhere at the same time like God can. And so he deploys his troops, the demons, throughout the world, and they carry out his work in his name. Here's specifically what they do. I want you to write this down, fill in the blanks there on your outline, in your bulletin. Here's what Satan and his demons specifically do. And this, this comes from the late professor at Cincinnati Bible Seminary, Jack Cottrell, who I, had a, who I had for a class called Demonology. Very interesting class. But this is a timely word because part of being victorious in this spiritual battle is knowing the tactics of the enemy, right? Cottrell says Satan attacks us on the levels of our minds, wills and bodies working through demons. Satan attacks our minds through false teaching and deception. Satan attacks our wills through temptation. And Satan attacks our bodies through demonization. Demonization is the actual presence and control of one's body by demons. The Bible points to the reality that physical and mental illness can result from Satan's control. This isn't always the case, but it can happen. Maybe maybe you or someone you know has tried everything humanly possible, medically and otherwise, to try to heal what should be a treatable illness. A, A trained professional, like a medical doctor, may have said, this should work. I'm not sure why it isn't working. Well, it could be demonic. I'm not saying it is, but it could be because we are at war. We have an enemy who is seeking to destroy God's purpose and plan for our lives. This is real stuff. Now, out of the three levels of attack, Cottrell says Satan's principal work is to attack our minds, and his main weapon is deception. Speaking speaking of the devil, Jesus says in John 8, 44, there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 4, 1, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow what? Deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. I asked some of our staff this week what do you think are some of the top lies that people are being deceived by in our current culture? What about the lie that all Jews must die? That's crazy. Or how about the lies regarding sexuality and gender identity? Singer-songwriter Lady Gaga uh, came out with a song back in 2011 that really continues to be the anthem of our age. It's called Born This Way. It has over 300 million views on YouTube, has sold over 8 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling singles of all time. But here are a few lines from the song. No matter gay, straight, or bi, lesbian, transgender life, I'm on the right track, baby. I was born to survive. I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. Now, there are parts of the song I would agree with, but the LGBTQ message is a lie. That's not how God created us to live, but that lie is winning out today. Even in some churches, we're deceived. Satan is at work attacking our minds through false ideas and beliefs. What about when it comes to things like possessions and pleasure? Have we bought into the lie that the person with the most or nicest toys wins? Have we bought into the lie that our own pleasure and fulfillment is what should be top priority? Have we bought into the lie that it doesn't matter what you believe? Really? See, the Bible warns us in Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental what? Spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. So how do we do that? How do we we make sure we're not taken captive by deceptive demonic attacks? Well, we've come to now, number two there on your outline, the response to spiritual warfare. I want us to go back to Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in who? Okay, this is where the audience participates. All right, here we go. Finally, be strong in who? The Lord. Yeah, and in what? His mighty power, his mighty power. yeah. See, if, if we're going to defeat the devil, make no mistake, it's going to be in and through the Lord and his mighty power. Back in Ephesians 1, Paul begins this letter by writing about God's incomparably great power for us who believe. That power, he says, is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, think about that, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all what? Rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, including Satan and his demons, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. You see, God is all-powerful. He not only raised Jesus from the dead, he also put everything under his feet, it says. That means Jesus is king of heaven and earth, which is everything. And even though the Bible says Satan is the prince of this world, Jesus is the king over all. No one can match his power and authority. In fact, look, look at what the Bible says in 1 John 3, 9. It says, the reason the Son of God, that's Jesus, appeared the first time was to what? Destroy the devil's work. Now, do you think Jesus was successful in doing that? Please say yes. Yes. Okay, very good. Yes, he was successful, absolutely. How was he successful? Through his death and resurrection. Through his death and resurrection, the power of sin and death was destroyed once and for all. Satan is a defeated foe, and he knows it. And the good news for us is as we eagerly await for Jesus to appear a second time, our all powerful God has given us every necessary resource for sharing in this victory with him. We have reason to be hopeful because God is all powerful. We can stand strong and firm in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, how do we do that? The text goes on to tell us, we put on the full armor of God. Okay, not not 80, 90, or 99.9%, but all of it, 100%, every piece. And, And this is stated twice for emphasis in verses 11 and 13. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And the text goes on to give six pieces of armor, verses 14 through 17. The first one is the belt of truth so we can counter Satan's lies. Number two is the breastplate of righteousness, so we can guard our hearts from relying on anything else but God's righteousness. Number three, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, so we can have a firm foundation as we go and tell others about Jesus. Four, the shield of faith So we can extinguish the flaming arrows of Satan by trusting in God and in his promises. Five, the helmet of salvation, so we can overcome any doubts Satan tries to create in our minds about our own salvation. And six, the sword of the Spirit, so we can go on the offensive with the penetrating, powerful truth of God's word. Now, I know I went through that quickly but I don't don't think it's coincidence that the first and final piece of God's armor has to do with truth. The belt of truth and the sword of the spirit, which is the truth of God's word. You see, God's truth is the antidote to Satan's lies. If deception is Satan's main weapon, then God's truth must be ours. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3.15, he says, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the what? Pillar and foundation of the truth. What do you think about that? The church, you and I as followers of Jesus in a very real way, we are the pillar and and the foundation of the truth in our community. See, in a world suffering from truth decay, the church must strap on the belt of truth and grab the sword of the Spirit. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, Hebrews 4.12. You see, we make our own lunch And we've got a choice to make when it comes to the truth. And so I I wanna encourage and challenge you today to first of all, seek the truth. Seek the truth. If we are not actively and consciously defending ourselves against the devil's schemes, we will surely become one of his captives. Next, we must know the truth we learn a crucial crucial fact in our text today. Knowledge of the truth is the most basic form of defense against Satan. Knowledge of the truth. Jesus says in John 8:32, "Then you will know the truth, and the truth will what? It'll set you free. It will set you free from things like Satan's lies and deceit." And so, serious I'm talking serious, well informed Bible study is not optional for Christian soldiers. It is our basic training. See, trying to stand against Satan without a knowledge of Bible teachings is like going to battle with no bullets in your gun. We must know the truth, but then we must believe the truth. See, knowing what the Bible teaches is not enough. We must believe it and accept it as truth. But even this is not enough to to guard us against the devil's worst attacks. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter two that the only way to avoid all the ways that wickedness deceives is to love the truth. Love the truth. We, We must take it into our hearts and delight in it, and guard it, and wield it boldly in our personal lives and in our church ministry, which leads to sharing the truth. Paul concludes the response to spiritual warfare with a prayer challenge. We just concluded prayer week this past week. I hope you are able to complete your prayer challenge if you picked one up last Sunday or maybe at our night of worship on Thursday. There's still some prayer challenge envelopes in the back if you want to pick one up. Every week can be prayer week. I want you to notice what Paul writes starting in verse 19. He says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it declare it fearlessly as I should see Paul, Paul wanted prayer for boldness that he would speak the truth of the gospel clearly and boldly and you see if, if there's one way Satan and His minions can thwart God's purpose and plan in our world today. You know what it is? I think it's to keep the church silent about the truth. Silent about the truth of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Silent about the truth of creation. Silent about the truth of the sanctity of life. Silent about the truth of God's love for Jews and Gentiles alike. Silent about the truth of God's design for marriage and sexuality. Silent about the truth of the soon return of Christ. Silent about the truth of the hope that we have now, both now and forever. Friends, we need to pray for each other. We need to pray that, that will share the truth and that we'll always do it in a spirit of love. Ephesians 6.18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. We're in a spiritual war and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's pray together now. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is truth. Truth that helps us filter all the messages that come at us on a daily basis. Father, we're bombarded with so much information. A lot of it is Half-truth. Some of it is outright lies. And so, Father, help us to seek the truth. To know it. To believe it. To love it and to share it. Father, help us to be strong in your mighty power. I think of Joshua in the Old Testament. You told him, be strong and courageous. Father, that's what we need. We need you to help us to be strong and courageous in this battle. Father, I'm thankful that we can be hopeful in the midst of this struggle, in the midst of our life, this side of heaven. We can be hopeful because you've given us all the resources we need for victory. And so help us today to put on the full armor that you've given us. Especially that belt of truth and that sword of the Spirit, which is your word. Help us now as we take our next steps. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and continue worshiping with us this morning?